You ever notice, uh, sometimes I feel, sometimes I feel, uh, okay, I got 25 minutes. I'm going to do my best. I might keep you five minutes extra. We'll see. Sometimes I, I, I you know, you go through these, these stages of life. So we just finished the Abraham series, right? We've worked up through Abraham. First of all, where's half our church? I know that uh, Elena's gone, the kids are gone, Jimmy's gone, Mike's in the mountains. All kinds of people aren't here today. So I'm like looking around. Oh, there's Skip in the back. Okay, Skip's back there. Abraham. We're going to bring up Abraham again for a short period of time. So, you know, you guys, I, I worked through this Abraham series, and just as much as I hope you're growing through the Abraham series, God is taking things and revealing things in my life through the Abraham series. Okay? He did. And then this weekend, so two weeks ago, I got to tell you guys all a funny story. So two weeks ago, I was my last Sunday here before we went on our trip. I went home, and BB says, so I got up that Monday, and it was like panic week. I'm like, okay, I've got to get everything in line. I've got to get everything in order. I've got to, I'm meeting these people for other things that are going on. i got all the stress on my mind, career-wise, training-wise, timeline-wise. We're going out of town. I've got to get all this figured out. I've got to get everything ready. And BB says, do you have your sermon prepared for uh, when we get back? And I'm like, my brain looked at her and was like, yeah, I'm doing that when we get back. And I normally prepare my sermons like Mondays. So last weekend, we're leaving Saturday morning, like 8 in the morning, right? Friday night, 7 o'clock, I've finished loading the cars. I'm 100% ready to go. I finally sit down. I'm like, okay. We're going on a trip. And in that moment, my brain says, you know you are preaching next Sunday. And you have nothing prepared. And I went into full panic for about four seconds. I looked at Bibi and I went, I didn't do a sermon for next Sunday. She goes, I told you that Monday. <laughs> so, so I sat down, right? And I'm like, okay, back, right back in the series. I'm like, okay, well, I already know what we're going, what direction we're going. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I usually I didn't, I didn't want to be two weeks out because then I would feel like different, like, oh, unprepared, like, oh, I prepared that two weeks ago. Now it doesn't seem to make sense to why I wrote it. So I, so I got everything prepared and uh, I got it all out to you guys. And uh, cause that's normally what I do. I'm able to build an outline. I know what I want to talk about. I get all my bullet points. Uh, I just don't do my talking points until the night before or the night or the morning of. So I'm, sometimes I get up early today and I do that because I just want to know, like, I want it to be fresh. So, so I put this together and I was like, what am I going to teach out of that? That's the tough part about expository teaching. I'm not teaching about hope for the next three weeks. I'm not teaching about faith for the next three weeks. I am literally doing expository teaching where I'm grabbing chunks of scripture and I'm teaching on it. So it's like, I read all this and I put all these bullet points together, you guys, and I was like, where am I going with this? And then God shows up. And I go on my vacation. And I get home and I write all my talking points last night and I realize how much what I saw in my trip correlated over to today, what I wanted to teach on, in a positive note. And I came up with, uh, I called it, here we go again. Here we go again. Here we go again. I was waiting for somebody to start singing. Um, I started to look at my notes and I went, okay, here we go again. So we're going to talk about Isaac today. And it came up to me a like father, like son. Like father, like son. Most of you know or have heard that we're here during the time when I found out 
January of last year, I found out I've been calling the wrong person dad my whole life. And I found out biologically through ancestry DNA, I had a different dad. And I found his pictures and it was like looking in a mirror. First thing I said when I saw the picture, I was like, look, an old tired me. I found this out at 40 years old that I had a dad. And I didn't have a good relationship with the dad I grew up with. So this was like an amazing thing for me. It's like finding God. It's like finding God. And so this message, and I thought about it this week on my trip. So my dad's trip, so we go to this place called Twin Lakes every year. It's about an hour down south out of, there's two Bridgeports in California, two. Bridgeport South is down about an hour south of Walker off of 395 on the east side of the Sierras. So that's where we went camping. I've been going there since I was a kid. Well, I found out my dad, who I've never met till I was 40 years old, they've been going there their whole lives too. And this year, our time to be there was the exact same week as him. So I hung out with my dad all this week, right? And, and we're still getting to know each other. This is, a, this is a long process. It's like getting to know God. It's been a long process. So there we are, and I'm thinking about this message today. Like father, like son. I watch my dad tell stories at the table and I realize, wow, now I know where I get my storytelling abilities. Like this guy's animated like me, he's like, gets excited. And, and I'm like, dude, nobody acts like that. Oh wait, I do. <laughs> I like, this is so cool. Hint, hint, hint. So I'm writing this, this last night, you guys, my like father, like son notes. And I'm like, where am I going with this? Where am I going with this? And then I realized it all kind of came together my trip. And you know, I, uh, I remember I took my son and my dad we went fishing up to this place called Virginia Lakes. It's beautiful. It's 9,700 feet at the lake. The snow was all the way right down on the bank, right up to the lake, and it's very small. And we were just killing fish all day. And my dad, he's a big fisherman. So my dad and my son, Chris Jr., both pulled out these monster tagged fish, and they got pictures. If you follow me on Facebook, they're there. They're both holding their fish. They're having a great time. And I just thought about all this like father, like son tradition. And I looked at this story about Isaac today, and... Uh, I thought about a like father, like son, and I said, this can be a good thing or a bad thing. A right thing or a wrong thing, right? And uh, I, do know what, I do know one thing. One of two things are passed down generationally without choice from the recipient. Generational blessings and generational curses. And the Bible talks about that. You know, generational blessings or generational curses. And I believe in today's era, with Christ as our Savior, you have the choice today to end the generational curse if it's there. You do. I did. I told my wife that 15 years ago. I said, I'm breaking the curse. I'm breaking the cycle. Because there was an ugly family dysfunctional cycle, generation to generation. I said, we're not doing that anymore. My kids both are out on their own working, taking care of themselves. They're both young men. They're doing great. I'm happy, because I said I'm going to break that curse. So, sometimes we'd like to believe uh, that if someone made a mistake, the same mistake wouldn't be made, especially father or son, you know, like, son, I made that mistake, I went down that road. Anybody here who's a dad, we already know we've had those countless conversations with our children, and it doesn't matter, they still make the same mistakes, okay? I was that kid. So, in this story today, we're going to find a lot of parallels uh, between Abraham and Isaac, a lot of parallels. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was hoping at this point in Isaac's life that 
Abraham would have told him the stories of the famine, the stories of the trusting God, the 25-year wait for him to be born. He's this miraculous child, right? Oh, he would have also told the stories about lying about his wife. She's my sister. How about always watching God take care of things? Everything came together for Abraham. Every time, everything came together. These are the things you would think you would share with your kid, right? But Abraham might, remember that Isaac might have trust issues because remember that I told you guys the parallel story that Isaac represents Christ. And Isaac was taken to that mountain, which is the same mountain in the same area of Jerusalem where Christ was crucified. And Isaac was asked to carry his own wood, just as Christ did, up to that mountain. And Isaac may have some trust issues with dad, right? Didn't we talk about that? Trust issues with dad. My dad smacked me when I was seven for talking back. My dad took me to the mountain and was going to sacrifice me. Okay? Trust issues, right? So I don't know what happens. I don't know what that does. Is there some dysfunction there? Emotional, mental damage? Maybe. But Isaac sure does do a lot of things like his dad. Like father, like son in this story. So today I'm going to read it. Uh, it may be in your bulletin, and if it cuts off, it was because of length, and then I, I should have it on the board too. Did I put it in the thing, guys? I did? <laughs> awesome. So Genesis 26, there was a famine in the land. You guys remember the last famine? Abraham's traveled four or 500 miles. He ends in this place that God's promised him, and we get there. There's a famine, and he left the land. He left. So there was a famine in the, line, in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Remember that name, Abimelech. It's the same name from Abraham's days. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, what? Do not go down to Egypt. Your dad already did that. And I know that's what you're thinking. Yes, I know that's not there, but that's most likely what's going on. Do not go down to Egypt. Egypt must have been the land of milk and honey, right? We know that the promised land was the land of milk and honey, but at that time, Egypt must have been the land of milk and honey because when something went wrong in the land, everybody knew to go to Egypt. So he is warned, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will, and I will what? I will be with you and bless you. So let's pause there really quick. If you don't do this, if you go to Egypt and you don't remain in the land, all that promise I made your dad and all that promise that's going to fall on you and all that blessing, it's over. Don't miss that in the story. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. He didn't write will be. He said shall be. Shall, must, will. These words are all the same but they all have different meanings. In other words if you don't do this. And you, don't, and you go to Egypt and you don't stay in this land. This may not happen. Catch this. He says, I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Let's, let's, let's put something else there. So you need to do the same. Or you're going to lose it. Generational blessings, generational curses. 
The blessing is there. Your dad was faithful. I made a promise to him. Don't screw this up for him. <laughs> okay? So Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked about his wife. Uh-oh. Sound familiar? And he said, she's my sister. I don't get these guys. I would never tell anybody Bibi was my sister. Ever. You might get nice and friendly. I wouldn't like that very much. But here he is in a land of strangers telling him, she's my sister. I don't get it. I do get it. You want to know what it was? Fear. They're going to kill me, just like, they were going to, just like Abraham said. They're going to kill me because they're going to fall in love with my woman, and, if I'm in, and I'm only one person, and this is their land, and if they want her, they're going to kill me and take her. You're my sister, okay? You got it? That's what happened. For he was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebecca. Right there, you guys. Fear. Because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac, showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Then Abimelech said, called Isaac and said, quite obviously she is your wife. Same parallel story here, guys. Same thing. How could you say she is my sister, Isaac said to him, because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, well, why, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Now, why did he do that in this story? Well, I'm going to get further down where I'm going to tell you this is most likely the son or grandson of the original Abimelech who also dealt with Abraham, who already saw how blessed Abraham was in that valley. So there was already a fear by those people of the God of Abraham, this God of Isaac, this God, okay? That's why he's like, whoa, man, you almost brought guilt on us. They had a belief system. They had morals, and they, and they were well aware of it. So it says, then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And what happened? The Lord blessed him. Man, the Lord blesses us, guys, even when we do stupid stuff. That's my wife. I mean, my sister. I mean, don't worry about it. Don't look at her. Trust issues. Remember we talked about that? Trust issues with, first, with, with, with Sarah. Okay, so it says, he continued prospering until he became very prosperous, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. Water brings life, and no water brings death. It says, and Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we are. So he went from nobody who was afraid to be killed because of the beauty of his wife to being to the point that the king of that land said, you got to go because you're too powerful for me. That's how blessed Isaac was. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of waters which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, digging up more life. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. And also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. Everything he put his hand on came back to life. Now watch what these guys do. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. 
So he named the well Esek because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. Everywhere, everywhere blessing came to him, they quarreled over his blessing. So he, so he called its name Sitna, and he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel, quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us. So now my, now my blessing is going to take fruit here. It's going to grow right here. And we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear. It's full of fear. God doesn't say these things for no reason. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there. I love the talking about building altars, you guys. I talk about this all the time. I always point this out. What is the altar you've built in your life? What is God doing in your life and what altar are you building in your heart that you find that place of worship when things are good or bad? What altar have you built in your heart? That, that place that you go back to. So he says, he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Azath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? But they said, we have certainly seen, certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you. And remember, we talked about a covenant. The, the splitting of the animals, they open up, both people walk through, you're making a promise. It's an oath. So they made a covenant with him that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you. So this king was afraid now of Isaac and how well he was doing because he could see how much he was being blessed. Since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace, you are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast and they ate and drank. Remember when Abraham made a feast and he stood the whole time they ate? This is what Isaac did in tradition. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with, another, with one another and Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in peace. It came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, we have found water. We have found a, we have found a flowing river of life. You're in the river's church, people. You're in the river's church. They found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. You're going to see the name Beersheba through a lot of the Bible. When Esau, now the, the story just takes a shift here. I'm going to tell you about it. This just takes a shift immediately from all that and just talks about the snippet here. When Esau was 40 years old, he took, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite. And Basemath, the daughter of Eli, the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. What did Abraham do with his son Isaac when he knew it was time for him to marry? He said to the servant, don't let my son marry anybody from this land. But you go back to where I came from and find a, a wife. And that was Rebekah. But as you can see here, just as many times as Abraham dropped the ball as a dad... And just as many times as Abraham dropped the ball in different areas of his life, Isaac's going to drop the ball here because Isaac did not oversee making sure that his son Esau, his firstborn, the one that he was super proud of that we talked about last time, where I talked about how much more Esau was loved by his father and not, by his, and, and not Jacob. And we talked about what that does to a man. We talked about this already. So here's that most loved son 
But the dad's not doing anything to send him in the right direction and bring the right woman into his life. So he goes off and marries two people from that land. And what does it say? They were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. So now Esau's married the wrong people. Okay, so now we're going to get through these bullet points pretty quick because I don't want to keep you here too much. What did I notice about this story when I was reading it? This story is deliberate. There is a reason this is in the Bible. It shows that the blessing was passed to Isaac. All the stuff that Isaac... We didn't have to know all these details in Isaac's life. We really don't have to know much details about Isaac's life. Why, Chris? Because Abraham was the father of all the nations. Jacob and Esau were his sons. And Jacob is the one who's going to be renamed Israel and have the 12 sons that are going to become the 12 tribes of Israel. And it is Jacob's son, Joseph, who's going to be your first image of a savior. We don't really need to know the details here of Isaac's story, but we're told them, and that's what was important where I noticed. Why is this story in so much detail exactly about what, because, the, because in, a, in a chapter, we're going to shift. We're going to leave Isaac's life. We just spent 12 to 13 chapters in Abraham and only two on Isaac. So why did we have to know this? That's what I asked myself. Well, the first thing I said is because this story is deliberate to show you that that blessing that went from Abraham passed to Isaac because everything that Abraham did, Isaac did too. He made the same dumb mistakes. He said the same dumb things. He was going to leave the land. There was famine. Literally everything paralleled. That's what I got here. Number two, what were the parallels of the story? Because I'm saying it was so deliberate. The famine, the plan to go to Egypt. So there was something about Egypt. There was the plan to go to Egypt. Then what did he do? The same thing that, I, the same thing that Abraham did. He stayed in Gerar. That's where Abraham stayed. What else did it parallel? How about this one? The same old lie, my favorite. The same old lie that his dad did, he did. That's really odd. But they had the same fear. How about this one? This is another parallel in the story. Abimelech's concern of adultery. Do you remember that Abimelech the king had that same concern with Abraham? They didn't just say, this is our land. You came here, intruder. We're taking your woman. Nope. Abimelech recognized that Abraham was blessed and he was afraid to touch his wife. And this same thing happens again in this story. And how about this one? Abimelech's rebuke. The same rebuke happened with Abimelech before. So the same king of the Philistines had the same rebuke. You almost got us in a lot of trouble with your lie, man. You gotta go. He was rebuked. He didn't get killed for it. Remember I talked about that with Abraham. I said, they could have arrested him for lying. They could have beat him up and stole all his goods, taken everything he had. He was an outsider to them. But they didn't. And again here, the same thing happens. He's rebuked. That's it. Hey, man, you, you, you almost caused us some trouble, but we know you're like super holy, super something's happening with you. Like you do the natural and the supernatural is happening. So we're, gonna, we're just going to tell you that that wasn't cool, man, and you got to go. That's what happened here again, Okay. So again, I wrote, there's a possibility, it's pretty sure, this is not the same Abimelech from Abraham, because 90 years have passed. So most likely that Abimelech's dead. So this is either his son or his grandson. But again, the same stories are being passed down by generation, because this Abimelech did the exact same response that his father or grandfather did. So there's a parallel here. Uh, we also wrote, so most likely it was either that, or the name Abimelech in the Philistines may have been similar to a title like Pharaoh or Caesar. So Abimelech may have just been the name of the king for the Philistines at that time. That's one of the things I wrote, read in a contemporary book I was reading. Um, so anyway, so let's look at some other things that paralleled here. 
Isaac was given the exact same promises as his father. God does not change. He said, this is what I'm going to do for you, Abraham. And as soon as Abraham passed on, he now says the same things to, Ab- to Isaac. He's going to be promised God's presence, God's blessing, possession of that land, and many descendants. He got the exact same promises. Like repeated. Like if I told Dan, this is what I'm promising to you, and I promise it to Dan, and Dan's not here anymore, I, don't, I shouldn't have to go to his son and say, these are the things I promise you. I've already made the promise. But God is giving reassurance here. How many times does God have to show up in your life and give you reassurance? Do you know why he does that? Because we forget his promises and the enemy wants to just like distort you and you're like, oh, you know, three years ago I think God was working on my side, but now I'm not too sure. God's going to reassure you. So the same promises he made to Abraham, he reassures to Isaac in this story. That is why Isaac's life paralleled. That is why this story is in there deliberately. Because it is for you to be reassured that what God has promised in your life, he's going to do. Whatever direction, whatever God's rescued from you from, he's going to keep rescuing you from it. He's going to keep you away from it. Because he's rescued you. His promise is the same. It doesn't change. What else happened in Isaac's story? He was totally blessed. Isaac was blessed. He was blessed. Everything he touched, it was blessed. You ever see things happening like that in your life? Touch this over here and it becomes blessed. When you, when your focus here and here is here and you quit worrying about all the things you're doing, I'm not saying don't worry about what you're doing right or wrong. But you've heard me say this and I always say it. It's like my natural, supernatural thing. The more you follow Jesus, you don't become sinless, but you sure sin less. Okay? When you have Jesus and you're focused on Jesus, you will sin less. You're never going to be sinless, but you sin less. And when you sin less and your focus is on God, he's going to bless you. That's when his blessings take place. What happened? Well, how was he blessed? He sojourned that land. As a temporary stay, he sojourned that land, just the same as his father. He enjoyed divine prosperity. Everywhere he went, they dug a well, they redug wells, and water kept sprouting up, and water brings life, and water was going to provide drinks for their animals, for the, her, for the herd, to water the land so they could grow a harvest. They were, these, were, these people were farmers and ranchers, period. In that time, people were farmers and ranchers. There was nothing else. You didn't make money building buildings. You built a building or you slept outside. You only thing that you had that was good for you was your herd and your produce. Okay? He was blessed. He was blessed upon reopening those wells, you guys. Every time he touched that water, a living, living water came out of it. What does that tell you? Everywhere he went, life was there. Everywhere he went and, he t- and they dug a well, the water came. So everywhere you go, God is going to show up. You see that? Whatever you choose to do, God is going to show up there. And just when you think they're going to, and you're going to go here and God's going to show up and then everybody's going to cloud this and you're going to move over here and then God's going to show up and the blessings are going to begin happening again and then something may happen you may not understand again because the Philistines are over here blocking your well or complaining with you about it and then you go over here and eventually what's going to happen? You're going to dig that blessing and no one's going to take it and he's going to say, I have room for us now. and I'm going to name this place Beersheba. What did Isaac do here? What did Isaac do? The same thing that his father did. He built an altar. That's another parallel to this story. He built that altar. 
It was after he built the altar that two things took place. Two things took place after he built the altar. Abimelech, that king, made peace with him, and that's when he was blessed, and that well came, the well that they kept. When he built that well, and they said, we found water, and he said, the Lord's got room for us here, it was then that this altar was built. You've got to build altars in your heart, you guys. I don't know what God's doing in your life. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't. I know what's going on in her life. I know what's going on in my life. And I know what's going on with my kids. And I know what's going on with what you want to tell me. But I don't know what's going on with your life. But where, are you, where, where is God showing up in your life? And what altar are you building in your heart to fall back at that place when things aren't good? When things are tough? When things don't make sense? You have to go to that altar in your heart. Right? I love the story of Isaac, you guys. I am, I, am, I am super excited. I am super excited when we get to Joseph. I am. I cannot wait to get to Joseph. And we're going to be there shortly. But you guys, I don't know how deep you've done Bible studies or whatever with Joseph, but man, there is so much that we are going to get from the life of Joseph. And then as soon as we finish Joseph, heck, I think I'm just going to cruise right on into Exodus. You know, things don't make sense, right? Things don't make sense sometimes. Things don't make sense. Let's take a look at the life of Joseph real quick, and then we're going to close. Joseph, his brothers got rid of him. They intended to kill him. He told them that. You intended to kill me. But what you intended for harm came back good from God. And then when he was in Egypt, he was like, he learned everything about the politics. He, he worked under one of the main people, and then he's accused of this thing and thrown in jail. It doesn't make sense for him. And then after all that, the Pharaoh comes to him about a dream, and he said, I can't interpret your gene, but God can. And then he becomes the most powerful person in Egypt. So what didn't make sense made sense. And, and why? Because then there was going to be such a famine in the land that his dad Jacob and his 11 brothers are starving. And they have nowhere to go but to Egypt. And when they go to Egypt, Egypt even knows to hold on to what they have. But because Joseph was there, he was a savior. Because they were going to die. And Joseph had enough food to supply them. Right? Things don't make sense. And then what doesn't make sense? 400 years goes by before God finally takes the people and gives them their own land. And they go through 400 years of pain. Sometimes things don't make sense, guys. But God has a plan. He has a 400-year plan sometimes. And you're just stressed about why it doesn't make sense this week. God has a 400-year plan sometimes. Generational blessings and generational curses. You choose. The choice is yours today. Back then, it was different. Today, the choice is yours. You know, that's the story with, with Abraham and Isaac. Like father, like son. 400-year plan, too. Sometimes what's going on in our lives doesn't make sense. You know, there's, there's, there's a few people you have a real great ability to impact right now. And every time you open, you put your key in your door and you open it, and you go inside, whoever's there, those are those people. And we need to impact our families. And meeting, meeting my dad this last year and a half has been insane. I just that's like, I don't have another word. It's, it's insane. It's like, 
there's so many things going on. It's like trying to make sense of it all. It's crazy, right? And, um, but seeing how much I'm a lot like him and how much we get along, and, and he loves the Lord. And my whole family, they're all, like, I just found this out. Like, that whole side of the family, like, all these they're all believers. All of them. Wait, my aunt, some aunt texted me some story that there was a woman that was, I got to remember her name. Her name was Mary something. She was, uh, she was one of the last women. She wasn't a, like a Salem witch thing. She was killed, though, because of something with the church back when, before we were a free country. And she was, like, killed for something. Um, and, and I had to learn the story, she, but she was killed for, for Christ. And it was an amazing story. And I'm like, wow. And she's like, yeah, you didn't know you're related to this person. And I'm like, wow. And then I've got all these, uh, these family members in Colorado that I don't even know if I'll ever meet. And a lot of them are ministers and pastors, and it's crazy. And then when I found this out, the aunt's like, you, your grandfather who's in heaven would be jumping and leaping in joy knowing that you're leading a church and all this. And it's like, I don't come from that, from what I knew. And at 40 years old, I found this out. And it's been crazy, you guys. Generational blessing, like father, like son. So let's, let's work on these blessings. Let's make sure that we're making sure that our kids know and they have the reassurance that the blessing is theirs. The blessing that you've come here and found, that that blessing is for your kids. Okay? Like father, like son. I'm really excited today. Half our church isn't here, but that's okay. And there were a lot of fathers who I wish were here hearing this. But that's okay. Because Mark told me that would happen. He would say, you're going to get something good and you're going to show up one Sunday and half of the people that you wanted to, to hear it won't be there. And I laughed. I was like, yeah, you're right. That probably will happen. And it has happened. So um, anyways, guys, I'm going to go in the weeds if I keep talking. So let's pray out. Father, I, I thank you, Lord, that we're here today. I thank you that you're growing our church. I thank you, uh, I thank you that you, you love us, Lord. I thank you that you're ready to bless us, Lord. I thank you that... I thank you that Abraham was faithful to you, Lord, and that Isaac chose to be faithful to you, Lord, and that all that promise and blessing has come all the way down to us right here today, Lord. It's 2022, and we are living in that blessing, Lord, because of their faith, Lord. So give us that faith, Lord. Put altars in our heart, Lord, of where you show up and where you bless us, Lord. And then we put that altar in our heart so that we can go to that place when things don't look right, Lord, and when things don't make sense, Lord. And that when we get afraid, Lord, so that we don't have to lie and we don't have to do some of the mistakes and drop the ball in our life, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I lift up this church to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.